Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I am Jake. We are back with a Patreon exclusive episode. That's right. I know it's been a while, but I've been I've been sick and we've had carburetors to, to tune. <laughs> and carburetors to have fires in. <laughs> and other things going on. But, but we, we have not forgotten about you. We no, love you guys. You are our core audience. We say it and I want to make sure... I guess that you know that we really mean it. I mean, this is this is what keeps us doing it, is you guys, your support that you show. Yeah, because otherwise we're just yelling out a window, like on a building, just like, hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. Anybody <laughs> listening to my car show? And shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if we did that? Now oh, I want to do the Overcrest We're basically doing the window screen. That's the digital version of what we're, we're doing the digital version of that. We're just yelling at Yeah, but at, at least people can subscribe and choose to listen to <laughs> it. True. That one, That's you're true. just literally yelling at people <laughs> down on this. So screen. what are we talking about today? What's going on? So in an earlier episode, I illuminated the history of automotive lighting. I you thought you were going to say alluded to something, but okay, this works too. I do remember, yes. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to be punny here because I today... It I was the to, word that a little chemical was dripping on the hot stuff and it would yeah, set up and it would light up. Acetylene lamps, exactly. Yeah. Well, today I wanted to shed some light on a different story. Uh-huh, uh-huh. However, before I get ahead of myself, as with most of these stories, it's best to start at the beginning. Before I do that, I want to show you, Chris, something that you can describe. Okay. And we'll get to it later. All right, what am I looking at here besides the glare from outside in St. Paul? What's well, a light bulb? Yep. But it looks weird. It doesn't... Okay. That is a live picture stream. Whoa, this is a live stream of a light bulb. That's, I mean... It's a live stream we do, of a light bulb. We do live streams of uh, of animals Hopefully giving birth and little, eagles, well, like the eagle's nest and stuff like that. Yeah. But, okay, that's That's great. a light bulb's live stream. That sounds boring. Well, it's kind of cool when okay. I get to it. But... Let's get to the beginning, Chris. Okay. You see, so this is going to be you're going to tell me you're going to tell me why this is an interesting light bulb yes, stream. Is exactly. What you're okay. It's generally reported that Thomas Edison quote invented the light bulb way back in 1879. However, there was a long lineage of inventors that preceded him. You see, in 1802, British chemist Humphrey Davy which seems like a fake name, by the way, Humphrey Davy, he produced incandescent light by passing current through thin strips of platinum. Uh, Scottish inventor... Wait, not tungsten? Nope, platinum. Okay. Scottish inventor James Bowman Lindsay boasted that in 1835, his new light that allowed him to, quote, read a book at a distance of one and a half feet... <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> gentlemen, I am what reading is- at one and a half feet, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Say it ain't so. Come on, I, I, I've seen like uh, <laughs> like candles that you could more than one and a half feet. Nope. I mean, one and a half feet is... It doesn't seem like a grand <laughs> yeah. of an accomplishment. No. But was- James Bowman Lindsay was really impressed by that. However, he unfortunately died. yeah no he uh his efforts were all thwarted uh after no he didn't die chris that's a different guy that died (laughs) i lost my place oh shit we're getting ahead of ourselves all right so no he abandoned his efforts to focus on wireless telegraphy what's telegraphy telegraphy telephone graphy oh wireless telegraphy you mean telephony 
Wait, no, telephony is something different. Okay, go ahead. No, he, he's just talking about, like, radio, I believe. Okay. That's actually what he was doing. Five years later, a team of British scientists toyed with heating platinum filaments inside a vacuum tube. Though the high price of platinum made the device inaccessible and difficult to scale, this design formed the basis for the first incandescent lamp patented in 1841. With his integration of carbon filaments in 1845, American inventor John W. Starr, he shined bright like a star, Chris, Mr. Starr. He arguably could have been credited as the light bulb's inventor, but he was the one who died of tuberculosis. Okay, so, well, everybody dies eventually. Right, but, but like, he basically invented it and then died, and all of his, like, research assistants were like, we don't know how he did it. I don't know. It's just magic. Yeah. Uh, then a few years later, British physicist Joseph Swan utilized Starr's advancements to produce a working bulb and in 1878 became the first man in the world to brighten his home with light bulbs. How many light bulbs do you need to brighten your home if they only go about a one and a half feet? Well, it depends how many books you want to read. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in America, Thomas Edison worked on improving carbon filaments. By 1880, though, the utilization of a higher vacuum and the development of an entire integrated system. What do you mean, higher vacuum? You either have vacuum or you do not have vacuum. It is a binary thing in this instance, right? Uh, No, I don't think so. I think you pull, like, how many millimeters hydrogen or mercury of vacuum. Right. Okay. So there's different levels yeah, of I vacuum. Yeah, I suppose there is. Yep. It's, it's a- yeah, so, but having more vacuum and then also developing an integrated system of electric lighting, he improved his bulb's lifespan to 1,200 hours and began producing the invention at a rate of 130,000 light bulbs per year. So Thomas Edison didn't Get your shit together, them, that's it? But oh, he wait. improved them to the point where they are. They could be sold. Correct. Meanwhile, Adolf Shalit was born in 1867. Probably Chalet, do you think? C-H-A-I-L-L-E-T. I have no idea. Right. <laughs> That's why it went Chalet. Chalet? Shy? Shiley. 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 Yeah, okay. Adolf Shal- Sh- Shiley. Right. Uh, by age 11, he began accompanying his father, a Swedish immigrant and owner of a small light bulb company, to work. He learned quickly garnered an interest in physics, and went on to graduate from both German and French science academies. Adolf is a smart cookie. In 1896, he moved to the United States. Shiley briefly worked for General Electric, then, riding on his prestige as a genius electrician, secured $100,000 in 1896. That's about $2.75 million okay. today's money. Yeah, that's a big... From private investors and opened his own light bulb factory, the Shelby, the Shelby, no, the Shelby Electric Company. The Shelby GT500 light bulb. (laughs) Nope, different type of Shelby. The Shelby Electric Company. Now, while his investment, invents, investment, the vast investments. It's vast. A vast investment. Vast and advancements. That's even hard for me to say when I know what I'm saying. Advancements. The vast advancement is advancement. Advancements and filament technology were well known. Shiley wanted to prove to the American public that his bulbs were the brightest and the long-lasting on the market, bar none. He's going to prove it, Chris. He's going to take Edison to the cleaners. In a grand demonstration, he staged a forced life test before the public. The leading light bulbs on the market were placed side by side with his and provided with gradually increased voltage. 
1897 volume of Western Electrician, quite the publication for you, recounts what happened next. Quote, lamp after lamp of various makes burned out and exploded until the laboratory was lighted alone by the Shelby lamp. Not one of Shelby lamps having been visibly injured by the extreme severity of this conclusive test. The inventor's idea, practically stated, is to flatten the coil and also flatten the end of the globe or bulb so that the greatest intensity of light is thrown downward. Right. So he's proving his light bulbs are so much better, so much brighter, and so longer lasting than anything else out there. Right. The company experienced huge success because of this. By the end of the year, output doubled from 2,000 to 4,000 lamps per day. Ooh, okay. Over the next decade, the light bulb market expanded and new technologies emerged, specifically tungsten filaments that you were talking about. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's normal today. incandescent lights Even now are. is tungsten. That's right. The company found itself unable and unwilling to make the massive monetary investment required to convert over to tungsten production and compete with the new technology. Uh, from platinum. Right. No, carbon. Carbon. Platinum was original, and then Edison did carbon, and then this guy's like, I'm going to screw all you and do better. Okay. Right. What are these car- What are these carbon filaments made of? Do we know what exactly they are? Just, I did not. Because carbon like, seems like a general term for... Right. Yeah, like carbon steel probably. Yeah, okay. It's probably just carbonized steel. Okay. Uh, in 1914 then, they were bought out by General Electric and Shelby Bulbs were discontinued. Okay, so this guy basically invents this light bulb that's better than everybody else's light bulb. He, and didn't, then, he didn't necessarily invent anything different. He perfected those. He perfected ma- somehow the materials and the manufacture, right? Because it's still using Edison's design. Right. So basically what happened was he decided he didn't want to jump on the tungsten bandwagon, which was obviously a cheaper way to manufacture the light bulbs. Right. right because and so he's like, you know what? I'm not going to invest all this. I'm just going to sell out to General Electric. Right. And that's what happened to Shelby Electric Company. Can you buy these light bulbs on eBay or anything? You should look at that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to look while you're going. All right. Fast forward 75 years, Chris, to 1972. A fire marshal in Livermore, California, informed a local paper of an oddity. A single Shelby light bulb hanging from the ceiling of a station had been burning continuously for, well, nobody knew exactly how long. That bulb had been there longer than any single person at the fire station. Mike Dunstan, a young reporter with the Tri-Valley Herald, began to investigate, and what he found was truly spectacular. Tracing the bulb's origins through dozens of oral stories that he tracked down and written histories. What do you think these cost? This is an original Shelby electric light bulb. Yeah, so I've got two here. An antique light bulb. This one looks just like the one. This looks exactly like the one on your that you showed me. live stream that you showed me. Antique light bulb, Shelby mushroom millennial bulb, uh, Thompson Houston base. It's working. <laughs> I'm going to say two grand. $200. That's it? That's it. I kind of want one now. Yeah, me too. Keep Send going. me the link. Okay. okay. So it's 1972, Chris. The fire marshal in California basically alerts the local paper like, hey, if you're looking for a fluff piece, this is kind of weird. We got this light bulb here. It's been on the entire time, 24-7, and no one here knows how old it is. Nobody's changed it ever. It's just there. Ever. So Mike Stunson, the young reporter with Tri-Valley Herald, began to investigate, and it was crazy what he found. 
tracing the bulb's origins through dozens of oral stories of these past fire marshals and written histories, Dunstan determined it had been purchased by Dennis Bernal of the Livermore Power and Water Company, which was the city's first power company. Sometime in the late 1890s. <laughs> so this thing's been going for 80 years. The bulb was then donated to the city's fire department in 1901 when Bernal sold the company. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to donate one of these bulbs. They're hard to get to. Power is kind of just a new thing here at the turn of the century. You guys can have it for your fire station. It's a public works thing. Yeah. It was left on 24 hours a day to break up the darkness so that volunteers could find their way in. Then Fire Chief Jack Baird told Dunstan. Though Baird acknowledged that it had once been turned off for, quote, about a week when the firehouse was remodeled back in the 30s. Guinness World Records still confirmed that the hand-blown 30-watt bulb was the oldest burning bulb in the world. Today, the bulb still shines in the Livermore Firehouse. That's the live stream you showed me. That's the live stream. Though, as one retired fire volunteer said, quote, it don't give much light. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose, well, 30 watts, no. Well, it well also more than a foot de- and a half of, of uh, probably you got a foot and a half at least. It did deteriorate its light output over the last 119 years. Yeah, they say it gives about five watts. Okay, so it's kind of going downhill. Yeah. Uh, it's dubbed the Centennial Bulb, and there's even a live video feed that I showed you online where you can view the bulb. So, Chris, why and how has this bulb lasted so long? Okay, so typically when a light bulb burns out, it's usually because of a vibration. A lot of times, especially with a work lamp or something like that, you bump it and the filament shakes and it's already on and it burns out. But other than that, I don't know. So the answer in short is that it kind of still remains a mystery. Shally's patent left much of his process unexplained. So he has these really well-built light bulbs, but his patent didn't explain really what made them so unique. Can we reverse engineer them at this point? We can so Justin Fegler is a physics student, and he explored the bulb further and published his findings in the 2010 paper, The Centennial Light Filament. Fegler found that the hotter the Shelby got, the more electricity went through it. Now, this is actually the opposite of what happens to modern tungsten filaments. Because when it gets hot, it increases resistance, which means... Exactly. Right. This somehow does the opposite of that, which I think would make it sense it's not going to like burn the filament out, really. Sure. To determine the Shelby's filament's exact makeup, Felger asserts that it would be necessary to, quote, tear one up and run it through the Naval Academy's particle accelerator. But it's a costly process and is yet to be undertaken. Many believe the bulb is basically just a freak of nature, a one in a million accidental manufacturer of the perfect light bulb. Just happenstance, right? This one somehow Just happened to do that. Happened to... What? I mean, they must have all burned out at some point. Otherwise, some dude would still be saying... I wonder if a lot of the, the issues is heat cycling... Yeah. You know, on, off, That on, is off, what on, a lot off, of it is attributed off. to, the fact that this has just remained constant. Yeah. However, there is another explanation. It's God's light bulb. No. <laughs> Simply put, Chris, they don't make them like they used to. You see, even though this bulb has been burning for over 119 years, there are others that aren't far behind. Quote, On the 21st of September, 1908, a stagehand named Barry Burke at the Byers Opera House, Fort Worth, Texas, screwed in one new light bulb, and it's still burning. The the building was renamed the Palace Theater, and the light was known as the Palace Bulb ever since. It now resides in the Stockyards Museum and has been burning for 112 years. 
Is this the same bulb? Different manufacturer. Okay, okay. Another burns in, ironically, another firehouse in the town of Magnum, Oklahoma. It has been in operation since around 1926 and is turned on and off with normal use. So they're not like, oh, we're just, this is our old light bulb. They're just like, yeah, it's an old light bulb. We just use it like we normally would. Which wow. is, so that okay. kind of defeats the theory of yeah, like but... constant voltage. Well, I'm not, it's not the constant voltage. I think it's the heat cycling of the expansion and contraction of as things right. get hot and cold, hot right. and cold. That's what must cause them to break. What, so what are the things that make this bulb, these older bulbs different? There could be a thicker filament mm-hmm. because things are, tolerances were. I didn't get into this, but that same guy that wrote that paper on this, he basically studied it. The filament is the same thickness. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like All right. It. So, okay. So it's not that. So the glass is thicker. Okay. Okay, so maybe the, I um, didn't include all this. A lot of things on bulbs now are uh, the bases are plastic, right? Really cheap, really cheap. Bases. You know, thin. Yeah, I mean, so were they like better? I was looking at a picture of this one. You know how when you have a bulb on your car, you push it in and turn it. Yeah, that's what this looks like. Oh, so you it's think a push so? In. It's a different socket. It's a different socket, from what I can tell, and probably has. Yeah, it's like a push-in socket. It's not. It's not the same as you would think. Yeah, I don't know, man. Okay. Do you want to know why? Look, yeah, this one's, you can, this guy's got it on right here. Oh, man. $200. Are we going to buy that $200 bob? I'm not, but you can. I kind of want to now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me tell you what's actually going on here. Okay. So, you know? I kind of know. Okay. What's up? Light bulb companies like Shelby once prided themselves on longevity. So much so that the durability of their products was the central focus, the number one marketing shtick, which is kind of proven. Just look at that demonstration from 1896, where you just crank up the voltage and all the others explode. But by the mid-1920s, business attitudes began to shift, and a new thought prevailed. Quote, a product that refuses to wear out is a tragedy of business. Well, we, we learned that about the automotive industry going from the 70s and 80s, 80s especially into the 90s and 2000s, for yeah. sure. This line of thought, of course, coined the term planned obsolescence. And that's the endorsed intentionally shortening of a product's lifespan to entice swifter replacement. In 1921, Chris, multinational lighting manufacturer Osram formed the International Gumtanfen Festverhörigung, or International Association of Light Bulb Prices. <laughs> okay. Yes. Then... General Electric in the U.S. soon reacted by founding the International General Electric Company in Paris for some reason. Okay. Together, these organizations traded patents and sales information to get a stronghold on the light bulb market. Then... Well, think about the volume of sales. That's a lot. I mean, everybody, how many light bulbs do I have in my house? I got at least four, eight, six, there's 20 light bulbs in my house. At least. At least. At least. Probably Probably way more more than that. that. Okay, so everybody, every house, how many households are there? 75 to 125 million households, all with 20 light bulbs in them? Holy shit, man. That's a lot of light bulbs. Yeah. Then... After these organizations formed in 1924, Osram, Phillips, General Electric, and the other major electric companies met and formed the Phoebus Cartel. The cartel was publicly touted as a co-op to standardize light bulb technology, right? We're going to standardize it. Maybe sockets are different sizes or something. Okay. That's, that's what we're doing, Chris. And this is when? 1924. Okay. Well, it's They're going to standardize it, yeah, that's right? Fine. That's not what they were doing. Oh. Behind closed doors, they engage in a far more sinister activity. Ooh, I love sinister activities. Planned obsolescence. 
To achieve this, the companies agreed to limit the life expectancy of any light bulb manufactured to 1,000 hours. Any company that produced a bulb exceeding a $1,000 light, a thousand hours of light, would be secretly fined by the cartel. Who's got the authority? How do they have authority to, to... They're just all agreeing on it. They all, the big companies came together and they said, this, this is what we're going to do. Illegal. Oh, I'm sure it is highly illegal. That's it's like antitrust. Yeah, yes. that's huge. Yeah, it was 1924. Didn't ever come out. Yeah, they're all just sitting around a poker table. Exactly. Yeah, smoking cigars. And they go, all right, this is what we're going to do. We one all agree. and a half feet yes, from each other. This is all good. You're right, because that's all you can, all the further you can see. <laughs> I can't see balls. you, Bob. You're 24 inches away. <laughs> <laughs> and then they say like, all right, well, what if one of us doesn't follow this? Well, then we will find them. Okay. Okay. This went on. I wonder what the enforcement mechanism is. Of oh, this. I can't imagine the enforcement, it, it, right? It's your you, knees. You have an enforcer for Yeah, that. there's like a billy club in your yes. knee coming. This uh, cartel went on until it was disbanded during World War II when the cartel supposedly had halted research and development, preventing the advancement of longer-lasting light bulbs for nearly 20 years. They basically said, look, we got a good thing going. We're going to planned obsolescence and plan that into all of our products. So it's only going to go a thousand hours and no one of you needs to do any R and D to try to improve this because we're going to set it right here. So they basically limited R and D and technological advancement of lighting for 20 years until world war two. And then obviously, I don't know if you're going to get into this later, but in the two thousands, everybody started being super, you're going to get into it. Maybe not exactly what you meant. I just, I'm just saying with, at, at some point, the the environmentalists took over and yes. basically tungsten light bulbs became evil evil yes so now the manufacturers finally had a reason yes to make something that actually lasted which is the led bulb which exactly which it lasts perpetually almost yeah exactly um yeah so after world war ii they disbanded and the companies involved in their cartel basically maintained the status quo though because after all it wouldn't benefit anyone if people bought fewer light bulbs that's what it's getting down to right whether or not planned obsolescence is still on the agenda of light bulb manufacturers today is highly debatable. No, it's just expectations exists. of consumers. Right. Expectations of consumers are X and Y. Does and they've been setting expectations for the last hundred years. Yeah, there's no expectation that needs to be beat. Right. So what, here's the question, though. Why doesn't, where's the artisan light bulb guy? Where's the guy like hand blowing light, cool Edison light bulbs? Yeah. That guy has to exist. We I'm sure to, it does. We need to find this guy. Because he's probably making light bulbs that last 12,000 hours. Yeah, why not? And well, sure, it costs you $50. Right. Who cares? The original uh, bulb that Edison did with the carbon filament, I it was uh, earlier in the story, I didn't really focus on it, but his even his first light bulbs he's doing lasted 2,500 hours. Okay. And they're capping it at 1,000 hours bastards and, and he, the one that's still burning right now is over a hundred thousand hours you just know that they're still doing that especially in the automotive industry well so this is such a like it, it sounds like some big conspiracy theory it is but that doesn't mean it's not true there's actually a full documentary that i found called the light bulb conspiracy and it uses this exact story as evidence but it then goes into all the other things that are provable that have planned obsolescence like what what else is that? uh there was nylon fittings in like the 40s when nylons became like a big thing for yeah. women and they basically they're super strong and they they had all these commercials about you could tow a truck with this nylon yeah and then after a few years they're like wait a minute let's make them fragile so they have to replace them yeah and so absolutely. they made them they had to like redevelop the entire that new... was back in the day when you could use nylons as a fan belt for your beetle right exactly yeah yeah can't do that now 
So that was another one. There was like iPods. There was a big lawsuit a while ago about iPods. Something with the software would like go corrupt after well, yeah, a the while. Well, fo- yeah, the phone, the, your phone battery and what they were doing on the iPhones was uh, the software was making your your iPhone battery deplete faster if you didn't update and do th- certain things. Wow. And yeah, that was, a, that was a big thing. There was a big lawsuit on that. So yeah, planned obsolescence is a big thing for sure. Um, you know, as you said with light bulbs, it's kind of a mute point at this point because incandescent bulbs have been phased out worldwide. I can't, I really do not like fluorescent and LED lights, especially as a it's photographer. It's the color temperature. It's less the color temperature because that can be controlled now. They figure out a way yeah, they, can, they okay. can control the color temperature. It's the frequency. Oh, really? It has a frequency to it. Can you see it with the naked eye? I can see it sometimes, depending on. And it's you're usually more about, trained to it. Yeah, it's usually like uh, 60 hertz. Okay. You know, somewhere in there. Um, so sometimes you have to shoot it like a 60th or slower in some environments, or you'll oh. get you'll get banding of like green and magenta. Yep. And it'll just be like a green band, like the color balance is off on half of your shot wow. because the shutter is catching the frequency than the light is yeah, cycling. Than, than it's cycling. And uh, on a really worn out fluorescent bulb, you can really see it because it's flickering. Yeah, I mean, some old fluorescents in shops and stuff, you can see it. You just look at it and it flickers. Yep, yep. So I can't, and it's well known to be uh, bad for morale, like in offices and stuff like that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. it's not not good for you. And uh, there's nothing better than a nice incandescent bulb. I have... I have some LED bulbs in the house now, yeah. but I really... I, do, I have quite a few of them. Yeah, but I have, like, I really like dim light. Yep. I, I like know it. you do, and you rubbed off on me a little bit. Yeah, it's... There's like, certain rooms and environments in my house now where I've switched back to incandescent and run them on a dimmer. Yes, exactly. And I have, like, a, a very, very, very small light bulb in my bedroom from, like, my reading light next to the bed. It's very dim, probably about a foot and a half. I was going to say, a foot and a half away. <laughs> yep, okay. But I just, I like the the dim, warm comfortable light it's like it's like a nice warm blanket it just feels good it's it's i don't know if it's a nostalgic thing or if it's actually like a physiological response i think there is physiological evidence. well we all know that blue light it, it uh can make you ornery it keeps yep. you awake it, yep. it messes with the circadian rhythm of your body whereas the opposite of that which is warm light you know amber light maybe it right. just has the opposite effect maybe yeah, and doesn't screw up your night vision too. Yeah, well, that's red light. That's what you, that's what you're that's what you have on your rag right. light. Exactly. Yeah. All right, guys, are you done? I'm yeah, done. Yeah, I was We're just done? gonna close it up by saying, you know, even though LEDs are making the comeback or you know, kind of the standard now, there still hangs that single light bulb from the ceiling of Livermore Station Number Six, and after more than 119 years, it still continues to burn. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being Patreons. We really appreciate it. Um, we're going to be off to Pike's Peak this week. That's right. Yeah, if you have any questions or that anything. That is this week. It is. Well, well ne- next weekend. Next weekend. This coming week. for Well, this is going to come out on like Monday or Tuesday. So it'll be this week for everybody right. that's listening. If you're there or if you want us to interview anybody. if you Let us know. Let us know. We'll do what we can to make it happen for you. We'll make your dreams come true if we can. We will see you guys. Wait, what are you going to do to make someone's dream come true? Well, we're not sharing a room, so. On that note, (laughs) we'll see you guys later.